Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Friday, the 22nd of December 2006, at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. It's freezing rain now. Uh, I can't complain because the last two or three days have been pretty good. I don't mind the cold so much and even heavy frost on the ground. I'd rather have that than rain. And freezing rain isn't the best thing to walk on, never mind drive on. But today I was in town just getting a few basic essentials and watching all the craziness of the traffic as everyone rushes to do their conditioned Christmas shopping. Uh, a frenzy of, of activity and not really a happy face anywhere. Everyone's so, so tensed up at this time of year because of the hype that's generated for commerce and that's all it's about really. Christmas time, this holiday time is about commerce and buying and selling. But before I get into that, I've been told by some listeners to do some shameless self-promotion. So here I am being terribly shameless because I do forget to mention the books I have for sale and the CDs and DVDs for sale on the website. And many of these talks are just passed around and people don't even realize what site it's coming from. And it is cuttingthroughthematrix.com. It would be helpful for those who do pass the information on to, to make sure that people realize where it's coming from and that way they may come into the site as well and see something that they, they like. Now, I don't do professional books because I'm not authorized by the big boys, and therefore I can't sell them at a price which is very cheap. Uh, I, I know some of the big boys almost give them away, and that tells you there's tremendous money by uh, backing them up because they're giving them away for cost price. 
pretty well. Some of them anyway. Some of the big ones. But the material that's in the book, or in the books, the three of them, is completely different than you're going to get anywhere else. I don't give you the exoteric meanings or even the supposedly lower esoteric meanings. I don't give you that. I'll, I'll give you a bit more than just that. For some of the higher meanings, I have to bring you higher through a form of education for it to make sense to you. And that really is the secret about teaching anyone. You can't just dump it all, all the truth on someone at once. You have to bring them up and up and up, a step at a time, so that when you give them something which is gold, they, they recognize it for, for its worth. Otherwise, they'll, they'll, they'll walk right over it and ask you the next question. And that's a very telling thing on the, tele, on the radio, I mean on the telephone, I should say, when they phone me. Uh, some people will rattle question after question after question. And I know by the response to some of the answers I give them, if they're just skipping, like a, a, a record skipping over the scratches, that they haven't really got what I just said to them, which tells me they're not ready for the next step. And there's no point giving them something that's over their head. You can only give them what they can accept at the time. This is not new, it's always been this way. Someone's desire and eagerness to know doesn't mean that they're able to understand it all. There are more degrees of waking up and, and breaking out of the conditioned Plato's cave that we've all been brought up in. And there's more than one cave, in fact, to break through. Some people are on the floor. Those are the zombies, the ones who believe the six o'clock news is all real. And they do believe they're being told everything that they should know. And that's what the media is for. They think it's there to, to keep them truly, truly up to date with everything that matters to them. They also believe the schooling they had or the university training they had, that that was the most advanced training that any, anyone's ever been given. That's, that, that's, they're, on, they're on the floor of level one reality. There's no point in trying to get them off the floor. They have to be ready to, to try and step up themselves. Most people will simply claim they're waking up or they've woken up because of 2001 with the kickoff of the, the Twin Peaks, I call them, the, the Twin Trade Towers, the Jackin and Boaz of Masonry. And really, that may have started something off, but they should have woken up long before that. What they're really noticing at that level is the, are the changes going on in their life, the lifestyle that they're used to themselves, and that's what's making them nervous. They, they, they know and sense a little bit more, but they can see the, the intensification of security measures which are out of proportion to the supposed threat, and therefore, obviously, there's another purpose involved in all of this, and that's what's terrifying them. Plus, they see their own culture, lifestyle, whatever, what they, they see as their nation. They see it going down. They see the inflation. They see the industry being going offshore. But they should have seen that back in the 70s and 80s and 90s because it was, it was starting then. And China hasn't stolen anything. No foreign country has stolen a thing, technology or otherwise. 
It was planned this way before I was born, before you were born, that China would take over as the industrial leader and eventually the policeman of the world for, for a period of time. Everyone gets their, their allotted time to be the, the, the apparent ruler, the kingpin. But during the GATT negotiations, which everyone floated through, all of that was set up then. That was the, the exoteric, the official signing agreements. In reality, as I say, uh, this was planned before I was even born. Because they discussed China rising in the 1930s at the Council on Foreign Relations and Royal Institute of International Affairs meetings, these, these topics were actually discussed. And in the, the, many of their books ever they've published since, from the Royal Institute of International Affairs, um, they've repeated this, that China would eventually be taking over as the, the policeman of the world. Which obviously means that the U.S. would sink down in the world. As long as the availability of credit is, is given to the public, they won't see the, the full impacts. It's only once credit to start, uh, was withdrawn slowly and gradually that you'll see the panic starting. Now, that, who knows when that will be. They can take their time. Uh, we live in a, a world of gradualism. That's why we don't notice generally the big changes. We, we, it's a step-by-step -step gradualistic process, intergeneration even, because they don't want to spook us too much with one major change. They like to do it incrementally because we adapt so easily that way without thinking. It appears more normal. But back to Christmas time. The holiday season where no one's really terribly happy except around midnight when they've had a few whiskies or something in them. And it's so interesting to watch. And you know the format, the media, the, the day after Christmas will be talking to people in the street on how much they spent for their presents this year. And many of them will tell you, as they did last year, well, I just finished off paying my credit cards for last year's presents, and, and now they're on it again. It's a farce of commerce, isn't it? It's nothing to do with family. That's a side effect. And they use family for guilt tripping for presents. It's a commercial enterprise. And our whole system is based upon commerce, economics. Our purpose is supposedly to, to serve the economic system. We are good consumers. Priests of Sumer, a consumer. Before I forget, I'd like to also thank the three or four people who've given donations to the site in all this time, because that's appreciated, considering the, I don't know, many, many, many hundreds of calls I've had just in the last year alone and the time I've spent on it, but people will tend in the society to try and suck you dry and only a small minority would even think of helping someone else out in this present day civilization because civilization is not a natural state to be it's based on the city the city state and a citizen someone who's born with a, a pre-existing duty to an existing system. It's not uh, a humane system, it's unnatural. It's only natural for those who are born into it, never questioning it. 
it never occurs to them to question the system at all, really. And where it came from, and who designs it, who plans it, they are allowed to believe it just evolves by itself. This particular time of the year, they were supposed to herald something wonderful and something completely different at one time in different ages because the same story in different ages with the son of the deity comes into the world to save the world Christianity changed it a little bit because it was bringing a system really for a western world which had originated within the Mediterranean and in North Africa even earlier so the times were slightly changed but the the sun of the deity hangs in the sky for three days at midwinter the dead of midwinter generally rises in the east east goes round sets in the west but it doesn't climb very very high in the dead of winter so they said that the, the sun hung there as he crossed the sky he hung on the cross for three days and on the third day it starts to move ever so little more north towards the west and then a celebration for rebirth occurs we had the same thing in ancient Egypt and even previous civilizations prior to that and it's always the same story the story itself is made to be a wonderful story because for a controlled civilization they, they mix in the natural rules that would make a true society work if everyone followed the rules but there's an element which doesn't make it uniform and that is the occasional deviant who must have power over others and so the deviants naturally will take such a system which gives a form of natural law and order and climb to the top and abuse it for their own sakes take over the system and then you have the criminals running it but the ones down below follow all the, the rules for a workable society that's going to work again for so long because the corruption that always grows at the top as more and more sharks get to the top and corrupt it even more so it gradually spreads all down into society by the way of commerce, profit and the use of experts because once profit and commerce takes over it's a dominant feature in society it is, no, it is not there to serve society the society is then there to serve it and human life becomes devalued to a terrible degree and we see this today it's not just at Christmas it's, it's the whole year round it's also in our as I said last night the, the, our, our war making is just an extension of business and from even before World War One, when they, they, they brought the aircraft in and the Z tanks as they call them onto the battlefields they were still talking about hussars and different kinds of cavalry and grenadiers named after the grenade commercially produced so commercial names for weaponry became a feature of this extension of business called war and they would talk about grenadiers and the hussars into the first world war then you start talking about the camels the aircraft and the Z tanks and you had all these brand names mixed in with the news and that intensified in world war two 
with all the different brands of tanks and aircraft and bombers and how many were churning out every month. And that became the news. So shameless extension of business and commerce showing itself as it truly is involved completely in the art of war as an extension of business. And up until recently, they've used in the West religion, mainly Christianity in Europe and North America, to keep the people passive, to pretend to the people that there's a whole bunch of rules they should follow and that everyone does while they themselves at the top never ever did follow the same rules. Because as I say, to keep an elite in, in power in a status of wealth and luxury, you need the labor of others to do it for you. And it's not nothing new since commerce was created and money was created to go along with it in all of its different forms. We've lived in an inhumane system where life becomes first, second class, then third, and then it's, it takes a spiral till it's very, very cheap indeed. And yet the Christmas idea, albeit a repetition of the same story in previous ages and even more older times of the son who comes into the world. And this is no accident, in fact, that even in the English language, those who created the English language used an Egyptian word for son. Because sun in Egyptian is the same word. The sun in the sky is S-E-N. You can put S-O-N if you wish. It's up to yourself because often you omitted the vowels. And your male offspring was also called a son or sen, just as it is in the English language. That is no accident. at all the all-seeing eye in ancient times was used before Egypt the system of picking and choosing some of the brighter boys in a society and giving them an education is nothing new and then using those people to rule the rest a uh, form of bureaucracy is nothing new. We had that at Sumer. So the rest of the population were generally illiterate. And the priests, the, a multitude of priests who dealt with real estate, with all commerce, import and exports, all the things that lawyers do today, they ran society. And they chose the brighter boys to become priests and they tested them for different qualities the eye although it's so important to sell them fully used by people people see because of their training what they expect to see that is why they can live in a world of symbology all around them a religion all around them and yet they don't see at all they see what they expect to see and when you point out what is the obvious to you they're first in denial and then they're in shock the ancient priests of Sumer tested the boys to see who knew one who knows is one who sees and that is why, down through all the different languages, we have a word which hasn't changed. Because that, or he who sees, and that which he sees with, becomes a student, more appropriately called a pupil, 
is the pupil of the eye, the all-seeing eye. In my books, I go through some of this mystery religion. And on some of the earlier tapes I put on to CD, MP3s, 12 hours per disc, radio shows on worldwide shortwave radio, I talk a little about this. In one particular show, I talked about the meaning of the stars which rise, the constellations which rise at Christmas time. And those who wish and who can perhaps see this Christmas Eve on a clear night go out and watch for the constellation Orion. And you'll see him come up in the east and go round. And you follow the three wise men of Orion's belt because that's what it's based on. And line them up. And at midnight, look at the star which aligned the old point to. And you'll also find the connection of why a son of God is born amongst the animals in a stable. I don't want to, to destroy anyone's Christmas, but this is just fact. The idea behind Christmas, if everyone followed it, would give us a form of utopia if you didn't have a hierarchy that would hijack it. But it's in the nature of humanity to try and do that anyway. All of the attributes of deviancy, of power, can be found all down through the strata of society, from the top to the bottom. And it's not necessarily a, a tremendous intellect at the top. It's certain traits which make them so powerful the psychopathic traits, the ability to con so easily and so well, you'll find that at the top and the bottom, regardless of education or class. And in a system based on commerce and profit, where success is regarded as getting as far away from poverty as possible, to even deviant extremes when you're then worshipped because you're simply super rich it can only be an inhumane society since most people can never get anywhere near there and no massive wealth is accumulated by honest work In ancient times, in pre-Christian times, and throughout Christian times, the early era, they used to talk about the Christ or Christos within, not without. The whole idea, even in the early true Gnostics, which became a, another deviant movement very early on when the big boys grabbed it, The whole idea was that a form of perfection could be attained in this lifetime. A form, not all, but a form where one could work on oneself. And the idea of a Messiah was simply that. It was like a mascot, something which you tried to, you always held in front of you in your mind as an ideal to reach out to 
and try and emulate. In fact, the early Gnostics complained that Constantine and his crew had stolen their idea when they gave the world the Roman Catholic Church and formed off the dogma and exterminated anyone from any other sect who wouldn't go along with this new authorized version. Because power simply transforms itself from one era to the next. And it was found that the Roman Empire had to overextend itself. They couldn't tax all their conquered countries enough to keep them in the massive luxury and waste and extravagance of the upper elite of the Rome. They couldn't tax them enough forever, and they knew this. And as they started to lessen the money to their armies, and their armies dwindled, they, they knew they'd have to fall. However, they were ready to transform and conquer the minds and the nations of people with a different type of warfare, which had been tried in even older times and had worked successfully. And that is what was done. Yet using something which appeals to everyone in every culture, in every language, the ideal of a form of self-improvement, which is reaching out for something bigger than itself, something out there, something which can also be connected to the self that was used and abused and still has up to the present day until it's taken so many deviant turns because the masses always want ritual for religion instead of a hard truth where they might have to look at themselves tremendously carefully and minutely it's easier to to simply join a group like a club a social club where you all wear the same badges or uniforms or suits and ties. I don't know why God needs a, suits, a suit and tie in church as a, um, as a way of respecting God. I haven't seen that written anywhere. But you'll find in all these churches, everybody dresses up with their suits and ties, at least the men do, and some of the women too, I, think, I guess, these days. And uh, I guess that's acceptable to God, even though the suit and the tie is a Masonic uniform. That's why it's the only authorized, respectable outfit to wear in court. It's a Masonic uniform. And you wear your toe line, your rope around your neck, which also seals your fate and is supposed to guard what you say. Your limitations where you could, if you put a tack in the end of the tie, technically, that would, and you made a circle going round it, wearing it, that would be your the extent of your limitations. There's an esoteric meaning within there for the higher masons. The lower ones are never very sure of anything. It's so sad that the kindness that people can show if they're left stress-free it's so sad to see how it's been taken over in a system of corruption which is anti-human and will make a person think twice about helping someone. through fear because our system runs on the fear of poverty loneliness, sickness hunger lack of care, medical care friends, isolation all of these things that's what the system is based upon yet as a creature of this planet it never, it never stops to dawn to us that 
It's all the economic system which makes this happen, all these worries. Outside of the economic system, in commerce and money, you don't find that in the so-called primitive civilizations. You don't find that at all. They don't have to second-guess, should I help someone or not? They simply do it, because they have nothing to lose by doing so. In this world, the first thing is, what will I lose if I help so-and-so? It's tremendously anti-human, humane. Life becomes cheap. At this time of year, people should really reflect. And in olden times, they used to reflect on the past year. All the changes that happened within themselves. The people they'd met who'd come and gone in their lives in that year. Instead of, like today, they just they gasp and drink that they've managed to make it through another year without being driven into the poorhouse. Or they've kept their job. Or their friends still accept them because they're still working. Because, believe you me, in this society, a deliberate stigma was attached if you lost your job. And I saw that in Britain, to people in the 70s as they were taking all the jobs away. Each time I returned to Britain from Europe, the stigma of the, those who had lost their work as the factories closed down was terrible. And it was encouraged from the top, as it still is today. Rather than simply celebrate a commercial farce, you'd be surprised at the occasional individual out there you've met in your life who might be terribly depressed at Christmas time because that's what happens to many people who feel left out or they've had their run of bad luck, so to speak, that year. And a phone call to them at the right time can make all the difference in the world. For there are many people out there who put on a good face to the world. But they are in terrible shape with them. And we get the statistics every year of suicides and so on from such people about such people and what's happened and the usual story as well they always seem so happy and it didn't occur yada 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 but once again in this inhumane system you can live even close to people and if they put on the, the natural show which we're all taught to put on you'll think they're just fine and there's no harm in giving them a call Whatsoever, you might be surprised. Got to do is call, and I 
I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a friend. People generally spend this time with their family, and often those within their family are not the closest to them. We can pick our friends, but we can't choose our relatives, as I say. So it's a perfunctory thing for most people at this time of year to, to be with family. Almost a parody of our remnant, like a repetitive play that's played so many times on a stage. It's lost its value because the family unit is almost destroyed. And the conditioning within each generation within the family is upgraded scientifically for each member, and so they can't even relate to each other, and often they wish they could just have their, their Christmas dinner and go off home or, do, or go where they want to go. Like following a ritual where the, the meaning has been lost. And the only reason that it's kept going at all at the moment is for the sake of commerce. If tradition didn't suit commerce, it would be gone very quickly. What's so surprising to me often is the frenzy people have as they try to gobble up all those things which are going to give them life extension or, or keep them fit forever or even live forever, some of them, they literally believe this. The terror, the thought of, of death. You know. Yet I always, I've always thought that it's not so much the length of life that matters, it's the quality. It's what the person themselves, the individual, gets out of it. Because this life really is so brief. And think of all the worrying that goes on in a system which doesn't let you relax. How sad that is that people rush through their lives worrying and scurrying, always under some threat of losing jobs and losing family, their wives, husbands, children, all of that stuff. So much so that they, they never live as they rush through. That's an unnatural state. I'm sure some of the so-called primitive peoples, who still are truly primitive peoples, and have been relatively unaffected by the system or the infection that we have, those people don't need any of the things which we, we need off the system and they'd have no diabetes they have no psychiatrists and psychologists or thousands of self-help books and how to do things and how to be this and be that and be happy they don't need it and they live to a fair good age most of them and they themselves have full meaning in their life which makes no sense to the, the scientifically trained who comes from the commercialized world but has complete meaning to those people, to the individuals. Those who want a form of contentment in this world have to change their values completely and realize that they can't be judged by society Ultimately, you are your own judge. It doesn't matter when you end up on your deathbed what society thinks of you. You will not be thinking of them at all, or anyone in society. You'll be reflecting on your own life, which is like a, the wink of an eye. Even all of the, the worrying times are just flashes in your life. It's only then you have time to reflect and wonder what it was all about and what did you do with it. 
What did you do? What did you know was wrong in the society in which you lived? And what did you do to alter it? The trick of altering and changing the direction of society is to understand the trick. And the trick through the esoteric religion has always been to have at least two parties opposing each other, conflict. Long before Hegel had his name slapped on it, this process was understood in the occultic sciences. When a reaction is expected from you, don't give it back. Because if you do, you've just joined as the opposition on the chessboard and you don't even see the chessboard nor the players that are going to get moved in front of you and around you. That's been planned in advance by those who understand the game. To change society, you take it off in a direction which they did not choose. Oppositions end up fighting over the same thing. They come to a compromise, which is the synthesis of Hegel. And so the initiator gets to the point he wanted to go in the first place. In a faster pace, with the help of the opposition which he expected to come. We know where society has been taken in this designed, scientifically designed system. We know they're taking us to brain chipping, non-think will be part of it, non-individual, no sentience, just robot, although it be sold initially under a different guise. Saran simply hit it head on. You must realize that Lenin was quite right, since he was trained by the big bankers who understood the thousands and thousands and thousands of years of economic history and its impact on civilizations and its creation of what we call civilizations, commercial. And Lenin said, there are many, many paths society could take, but the public don't know. They must always think the one they're born into is the only natural one that could be, simply because it exists when they're born. Those who oppose the changes are falling right into the hands of those who initiate the changes. It's like judo. Use their person's force and dynamics to beat them. Oppositions. So you don't play the game. The culture itself of any country is given to it by those who approve of it. That's why you have it. And it serves the elite of each country, the big, the big club at the top of the, of the universal world. To go off in different tangents is the only way for Mr. Rockefeller's window of opportunity to close in a direction which he didn't plan and those behind him and those off the same club didn't plan. Once it closes, they have a hard time trying to steer society back into the direction they wished them to go. What direction could we take? 
first you'd have to sit down and go through all the things that are wrong in this system. You'll find it's almost everything. Because it's all based on money. Hard thing for people who are brought up in a system like that to let go of. Yet when they hang on to it, you're guaranteed disaster because money is only a means to an end for the few who designed and controlled it in the first place. Eventually the society they will bring in will be a, a system where you're born. In fact, you might be created to serve the state. Serve the state is through all the, the, the books from the Royal Institute of International Affairs, from the Rhodes Scholarships of Cecil Rhodes and Rothschild and others. It's the same script because they're all one. The big octopus is one. It's one head. That's why they all say the same things. Money would eventually be done away with anyway. It's only useful as long as we are willing to accept it and pay for it to exchange things, which is really just labor again. It'd be a hard thing to let go for people, this this working for your your money seat as you pull the lever like the rats and have your rewards. Yet we're guaranteed disaster the way it's designed. It's it's designed that way. It's not meant to last forever. For everyone tries to be top dog and exploit the person below. And then you're called successful if you succeed. To get into a humane society would take tremendous changes. And that never happens in a mass movement. The masses will always take what appears to them to be the easier route, the easier choice between two. That's why the elite count on democracy, because the masses' opinions are given to them on every topic. You can, you can, they are predictable. The elite themselves have always said that their only problem comes from the occasional individual who understands. It's like some of these movies they put out where someone sees, someone can see, and they'll say, oh, someone sees, like the movie they live. That's what frightens them. Especially if the person has knowledge to back it and can teach others and get it across in such a way that it breaks through all the armor and conditioning. That's the biggest threat they have. If we look at the major revolutions which the same organization have been behind, they would start up clubs in organizations prior to revolutions to track members in. They then observed carefully the different members as they talked and, and they noted down those who could be problems after the revolution because they were too intelligent. And they could convey by speech and knowledge a reality to the people, to the ordinary people, and get it across. And those people who could do that, their names were on the lists. And immediately after the revolutions, they were rounded up and killed. Because the stage was set, as it always is. The chessboard was set in advance for this very thing. And that's why long before 9-11 came along in 2001, there were many fakes out there in the so-called patriot land of the USA, for instance, and other countries. One was a, the most decorated general or colonel in the U.S. Army from Vietnam, who had his own shortwave international radio station for years. 
He used all the Masonic terminology in his talks on radio and pretended he was a patriot and was collecting the names of different people across the country in, in the U.S. And right after 9-11, he was interviewed on the congressional steps in Washington State by a major television station that was shown in Canada. And it was obviously posed. He was there at the right time for the interview. And it started off with the usual lead-up. Oh, the most decorated colonel in the U.S. Army. The Green Berets. Well, who do you think was behind this 9-11? And he said, this man had just stopped being on the radio one month prior to that after four years solid, encouraging this patriot movement, supposedly. He says probably those crazy patriot people that run about in camouflage in the woods practicing for something that will never happen. The paranoids who see black helicopters everywhere. This is the same man who said years before that he left the Pentagon where he worked with hip pocket orders. We see you never retire from these positions. And he collected the names of thousands of people who've been trained through movies and John Wayne and Rambo and etc., etc., to worship the heroes that are presented. If he talks the same language as you, that's all they have to do is to come down to your level and start talking your language, and you fall for it because you're trained to worship people. And you're set up every time. You've got to stop doing it. Some people have said to me, could you discuss the real meaning of Christianity? And I thought about it, and yes, I could ramble on forever and give you a six or seven hours talk on the esoteric meanings of Christianity. But it would just end up in other people's books. as most of my, all my other talks have done since the 90s. Perhaps it's more important to talk about the changes that can be made in a system which has a plan for the eradication of useless eaters who at one time were valued citizens as consumers dash producers but are now simply consumers in this particular service economy and I'm trying to tell people don't fall for the traps don't fall head on to fighting something verbally or otherwise you're expected to do that at a certain stage you must do the unexpected. You must choose a different path and persuade others that at least to try yours or to look at it. And they themselves might find a similar path but not quite identical, but different nonetheless. Because any path which is not chosen for you is better don't choose the expected path when you're terrified of the changes which you're seeing more blatantly today come upon you we're all walking this planet for a short time very few people break through into the reality that exists and they, and they never see. Very few people can break through, break through that. Some can, and that's what it's always been about because it's the few who try to lift humanity up, all humanity up, who have stopped 
the ultimate horror in all ages from occurring. It's always the few. And they don't have to agree upon everything. Except not to oppose that which they're expected to oppose. And tremendous changes can be made with no guarantees of a definite ending except it would get an alternative ending to the one which is planned. And if, if it's not planned for you exactly, for the children and those who are growing up, there's nothing worse than leaving behind those with a mess knowing that they're going to get the chop. That's, that's incredible to me that people actually... And I've heard so many say that, well, thank God I won't be alive to see the final outcome of this. No, you'll be retired with your pension and go fishing and and then you'll die and you've altered nothing. It's as though you had never been. Even the elite themselves can only have their names carved in stone or put on statues or libraries or public buildings for a short time before the next generation comes up and someone else's name is splashed on there. But there are those who have altered society and the directions of society and upset the plans of an elite in every age. And it can be done again. I hope you have a good time. Stay safe. Tell those that you care about that you do care about them. And we'll see what the, this year coming up brings us. Goodbye for now. And may your God go with you.